Hey guys, thank you so much for listening. This is MMA Mondo. Um, my name is Armando. I am your host. Thank you so much. This is episode two. What I'm going to be talking about today is Mike Perry's nose, what happened against Vicente Luque, and I'm also going to be talking about UFC 241 quite a bit. Um, super excited for the card, but I'm just going to talk about the top three for here. Um, I might make a few videos on other fights or I don't know, just something. But um, if you like it, just let me know. Okay, let's get started. So, um, yeah, last Saturday was Shevchenko versus um, Liz Carmouche. Um, that fight was very odd. Um, I, I was at my cousin's house, I'm not going to lie. I wasn't paying too much attention. Um, I was watching the fight somewhat closely early on, the first two rounds. But um, I honestly got a very strong feeling about what was going to happen in that fight. So I kind of just stopped and was paying attention to my family a little bit more because I was hanging out with them. But um, yeah, I, I don't know what to say about that. Shevchenko is one of my favorite female fighters, but that fight just wasn't that great. I know it takes two to tango, so it's up to Karmush as well, but um, I don't know what's next for her. At 125, I don't know what else they have for her, really, and her going up to fight Nunez, um, I think that would be really awkward timing right now, just because of how that fight happened and how Nunez has fought in her recent, most recent fights, so I guess we'll see. Um, I guess we'll see what happens with Nunez going forward, but Vicente Luque versus Mike Perry. What the fuck? Guys, that fight. That fight was absolutely crazy. I, I, every time they threw a punch at each other, it was with such veracity and such strength. Just um, The technique was also very good. A lot of people were bashing Mike Perry, saying that his technique didn't get better. Um, I don't know what you guys are saying. If you guys know anything about striking... If you look at the way he's dipping, the way he's moving, the way he's going from side to side, he was very, very focused as well. He he was not still, but he was mindful. Every time he would attack, every time he would move his feet, it would look like he's thinking about the motions he was making. Not in a way where he was thinking too much, but in a way where he's finally starting to get out of brawling entirely and start getting into more technical fighting. This was one of the best versions of Mike Perry we've ever seen. No, no matter what happened with Vicente Luque, um, Vicente Luque impressed me. He speaks three languages. Man, this guy. This guy looks great. Mike Perry's nose was like this way. I mean, when I say this way, I'm recording this for YouTube as well, but I mean, it was crooked all the way to the side. It was like almost under his eyeball, at the center of his eyeball. It just absolutely crazy. And the picture word, or the, sorry, the picture he took afterwards in the hospital with little fingers. Look, look, that's crazy. I can't believe he can still find. They said he could make a full recovery. Uh, I, I don't know about that, guys. I just, I, I have no clue how that's gonna go. A full recovery with a nose like that. Um, I don't know. So I guess we'll see what's gonna happen there. Okay. Now, I want to talk about USC 241 a little bit. This card, I think, is very important because we have DC versus Stipe, which I think decides a lot for not just the heavyweight division, but the light heavyweight division moving forward. DC said that he's coming in already around 240 pounds right now at the time of recording. This is the Tuesday before the fight, Tuesday, August 13th. 
I saw an interview either yesterday or the day before where he was talking about his weight being around 240, probably for the fight. That's light. Last time he fought, he was in the 250s, I believe. And also against Derek Lewis, he was a little bit thicker. There's no way DC would be cutting like this unless he's thinking he might fight Jones soon. Every interview that Jones and DC has had, they've referenced each other. They keep talking about fighting each other at 205 specifically. Um, DC really wants to write that wrong, and I believe DC can, especially with how John Jones has looked recently and how DC has been. If DC is able to go in there and beat Stipe up, um, I don't know, and I, I believe he can. I'll go into that a little bit more towards the more towards the end of this because I want to go up the card just as if we were watching it. But yeah, um, I don't know. D DC has a lot of opportunities coming up too with a lot of different things. Um, I know he spoke about potentially working with the WWE. Seems like the WWE and the UFC have a very good relationship right now, a lot better than it ever has been, honestly. It seems like a lot of talent is working together now, and um, people are starting to venture into both worlds. So I think that's extremely interesting. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with Kane. I'm excited to see what he was doing at AEW. It was interesting to see Kane in that kind of way, because usually when you see him, he's so stoic. So to see him do something like a Huracurana... I understand he's incredibly athletic and everyone talks about athleticism and cardio cane is the thing, but dude, that, that was pretty cool. I used to watch wrestling when I was a kid. I don't watch anymore, but that was honestly one of the cooler things I've seen because I've always wondered how like MMA fighter would do in that kind of setting. I didn't watch the full match or anything, but I saw clips here and there, but um, yeah, I don't know. D um, DC has a lot going on. It seems like John Jones does a lot of bad stuff for his mental health. But it also looks like John Jones is normalizing a little bit. I mean, I guess we'll see. I mean, he, he does destroy people in rematches. But, okay, let's go into UFC 241. That fight is coming up quickly. It's happening Saturday, August 17th. And the main card starts at 10 p.m. as usual. So in the main card, the top three farts are Yuel Romero versus, um, I apologize, Yuel Romero versus Costa. Then we have Pettis versus Diaz. We have Stipe versus DC at the top of the card. Um, so first we have Paulo Costa versus Yuel Romero. This fight is absolutely crazy, guys. So both of these fighters look absolutely dominating versus their opponents. And they're both incredibly bricked up, like, USADA, USADA. I don't know, but, uh, well, soldier of God. He's always been ripped, always looked like this. He came from Cuba, he's been wrestling since he was a child. He talked about pyramid wrestling when he was a child. Almost like tournament-style wrestling for food, even, up until adulthood. So, um, that's incredibly interesting. And he fights a lot different than other fighters. He does things that no one else fights, um... When he defends himself, he, like, swipes around. So when he's here, you see him do, like, a lot of this. He's, like, trying to play with his hands to make the opponent think he's doing something different and not really know what to do with his reactions. So when you see him constantly shuffling his hands around like that, it is effective because the other opponent is just watching his hands move. He doesn't know exactly what he's going to do. So seeing him constantly moving his hands like that, the opponent doesn't know exactly what to read. That's something that I don't think Pasta, or sorry, Paulo Costa is going to really be able to deal with. 
Um, Paul Costa is extremely aggressive, moves forward, throws a lot of punches, continuously walks his opponents down. But Yoel is a counterpuncher. Yoel does not initiate usually, but when he decides to strike, it's absolutely explosive. He destroys through people. If you make a single mistake against Paul or against Yoel, he will he will obliterate you. Look what happened with Chris Weidman. One knee. Chris Weidman was doing great prior to that. Then all of a sudden, before the fight ends, gets hit with this tragic knee that puts him out. It's not the first flying knees hit when people have shot in for him either. I don't think Paulo's going to shoot in for him, but I, I don't know. We'll see. Will, will Paulo size? That'll be interesting too against Yoel and his youth. Um, neither of them really... They don't really get walked down by people. So I guess we'll see what's going to happen here. If I had to say who's going to win this fight, I would say UL's going to win by KO most likely. But he might win by decision as well. We've seen a couple times when UL fights, he's not too active. He doesn't attack too much. His volume isn't too high. But he does enough to get the victory out. So we'll see there. Then after this, dude, this, this is one of the... Well, I mean, Yuel vs. Costa is an incredible fight for the main card and also for the hardcore fans. But Pettis versus Diaz, holy shit. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to take the betting underdog with this and go with Nate Diaz. The reason why I'm going to go with him is because, I mean, if you look at skill versus skill, what they've accomplished, who they have beaten, obviously, obviously, Pettis should be the victor. But... With Diaz coming in here the way he is, seeming so motivated, I usually don't see him motivated for fights, I feel like. When I start watching, I start watching around um, Chris Levin Anderson Silva when he joined, early Michael Bisping in his career when he was on the way up, um, before he was even in the rankings, really, I guess, and when he was in the rankings, early in, but... I don't know. Diaz has always come in and out. Nick or Nate Diaz. Nick Diaz was fighting as well. They're both very similar. I don't think the UFC appreciates them. I feel like the UFC, they definitely push the Diaz brothers away and they push them far away. I think the reason why we haven't seen Diaz fight for so long is a little bit because of that. I think a little bit is because of stubbornness as well. But if you look at the interview that he had on ESPN with Brett Okamoto, he talks about this a lot. Um, Nate Diaz, he talks about how he feels in the position that he was in with the UFC versus somebody such as Connor after beating him. Because when he beat Connor, he had to give Connor the rematch. The reason why? That's what Connor wanted. So um, he felt like he was being dis disrespected a little bit. He's been fighting for a very long time, especially for this organization. So I, I can't really say much about that. Um, he's a man of few words, he said. Why would I talk if there's nothing to talk about? He's like, why would I go into this stupid interview if every single day all I do is wake up, I eat, I train, I fight? So um, there's something raw about his personality and something raw about who he is as an individual and um, also who Nick is and most of the other um, people in that pack. I mean, Gilbert Melendez, Jake Shields, etc., they're involved as well, but specifically the Diaz brothers. That they're unlike anyone else in MMA. They have such a following and such a hardcore following that anytime they come around, they usually get views. It doesn't matter like really who they're against; they'll get some kind of views, even if it's not, um, even if it's not the best ever. It's very, very high, very, very moderate. So 
we'll see. But with that fight, the reason why I'm going for Diaz is because I started looking at their stats a little bit. And I don't know that sorry, I noticed that Pettis absorbed 3.22 strikes per minute and Diaz absorbed 3.69. You might be like, wait, then why would you choose Diaz? The reason why I chose Diaz is because if you look at the rest of the stats, Diaz lands 4.64 strikes to Pettis's 2.87. The reason why this is so important is because that means Pettis, on average, absorbs, let me see, the difference between 3.22 and 2.87. That is absolutely crazy. Dude, I don't, I don't know what to do. That's the 0.35. I know, I know that's not crazy, but what the rate that Diaz lands at? I don't know. Diaz doesn't throw a whole bunch of power punches. He throws a lot of flickering shots where he's just tapping you, hitting you quickly, and just jabbing at you, smacking you quickly with his shots over and over again. But it's, it's abuse. It's abuse over time, and it damages you, and it makes you quit. It makes you run out. Um, with Pettis' previous losses... It seems like he has a power, or he has a problem with the combination of power and volume. So if you look at who Pettis has lost against. Let's look at Anthony Pettis' losses. So we have Tony Ferguson at UFC 229, TKO corner stoppage. Um, he was taking a ton of abuse that fight. He was getting hit a ton. He was getting hit over and over again. His coach is like, if there's no way that we can see for you to win this, we're not going to continue the fight. Which, absolutely, I wouldn't either. Also... He lost against Dustin Poirier at UFC Fight Night 120 by submission body triangle. That was all the way back in November of 2017. So that's a little different. Dustin Poirier is getting ready to fight Habib Nurmagomedov for the title. So I'm super excited about that. But um, Dustin Poirier's fighting style, he throws heavy, he throws hard, he throws often, throws fast, and also if you take him down... His ground game is incredible. He doesn't usually shoot for takedowns. He, he can do a couple, but um, I, I wouldn't compare it to the people at the top of his divisions. And also, to take down Pettis and hold him down, you have to have a pretty good wrestling. But Max Holloway beat him before. We also have Edson Barbosa and Eddie Alvarez. Actually, let me pull this over here. I'm pulling it on my other screen on the actual podcast just so I can show you guys. A little bit. Uh, leave. Okay. Oops. Okay, so let's look at these other losses. Edson Barbosa, Eddie Alvarez, RDA. Okay, this is telling. What does RDA do, honestly? Heavy wrestling. Heavy ground and pound. Incredible takedowns. Incredible... Offense, just generally. His kicks are good. His punches are good. He doesn't throw a ton of kicks, but he throws them up to set up um, different things often. But he's a volume striker. He continuously just beats you up, and that's how he beat him. This is, I believe this fight broke Pettis for a little while. Um, Eddie Alvarez, split decision. That was a weird loss. I don't know. Um, Edson Barbosa, there's no shame losing that from Barbosa. Edson Barbosa is a savage. That's the only person, let's see, other than Ferguson and Max Holloway. I mean, he doesn't lose against people other than champion caliber, and he loses in their best areas. 
it's very, very difficult to finish it. Max Holloway and Tony Ferguson did. So I guess we'll see what um, Nate Diaz could do. But if you look at Nate Diaz's losses, it's similar people. RDA, Benson Henderson. Benson Henderson isn't one of them. RDA beat, I mean, Pettis beat Benson Henderson pretty fairly. But um, it seems like Nate Diaz, if you have incredibly heavy wrestling, and if you're on a, if you're able to prevent him from being able to attempt submissions, you're in a pretty solid position. He's 19 and 11. Pettis is currently 22 and 8. So I guess we'll see what's going to happen there. I man, this fight, this fight, this fight's confusing. But. Let's see. Okay, so pure wrestling can also handle him a little bit. I don't think that pure wrestling is going to be the case here, though. I don't know. Nate Diaz said he's been training for a long time, so I guess we'll see if he comes in with any new skills. The ultimate determinant of this fight, really, is going to be one early on. Who can take whose power? Nate Diaz shouldn't be peppering up Pettis with shots that are going to blow him out of the water early. He's going to be smacking him over and over again. It's not even really a smack. It's like, it's a little more than that. A smack is almost disrespectful. But it's almost like getting shot with a BB gun over and over again. Right here. Not here, not here. I'm pointing to one single spot that's as thick as my fingertip on my head. Imagine getting shot there over and over again, a hundred times over the course of one hour, or compare that to a day, compare that to a year. The amount of force is going to change depending on the amount of time. The less time you have, the more pain. So, I don't know. I have to see how Nate is going to do in this fight. He's been very confident. He's had a lot of money. So, um... He wants to come back for this. I heard some people saying that he wants to come back for a title. So, I mean, this is the way you're going to get it. You need to fight some big names. Okay, and at the top of the card, guys, we have Daniel DC Dad Cormier versus Stipe Miocic. So, um, this fight is super interesting to me. Not only just because this this is literally the fight for heavyweight go. If Stipe wins, it's... Eh, we don't know for sure. If DC wins, he is the heavyweight go. Whether you are the light heavyweight or the pound for pound or the flyweight, whatever. That doesn't matter. You will become GOAT DC, Daniel DC Cormier. If you can defeat Stipe Miocic this Saturday. So... Early on, let's talk about the first fight. Because everyone talks about, oh, Stipe was winning the first fight. Stipe has better chances this time because Stipe was doing better. Okay, I was watching a video the other day by MMA on Point that was absolutely incredible. I'm probably going to link it in the description. But um, this video really, really, really breaks down rematches in the UFC. And pretty much the breakdown was... You are going to win if you rematch your opponent a monumental percent of the time. Like, it, there's not very many. There's like one. That's a genuine, genuine, genuine victory in a rematch. But if you finish in the first fight, um, the chances for finishing the second one go up. DC finishing him that fast, this early, 
according to the statistics alone, doesn't matter the length of the fight or anything like that, just how many times people fought, that person usually finishes their opponent again. DC has had a couple fights since then. Stipe hasn't. This is heavyweight division, so anything can happen. But um, Stipe is undefeated at heavyweight. Not Stipe. DC is undefeated at heavyweight. He starches everyone. Everyone. Also, um, Stipe's chin. Stipe Chen, I, I don't know if it can withstand DC. If Stipe cannot put DC down and set him on his ass early, I do not think there's even a path to victory for Stipe. DC seems better at everything. D DC definitely can kick better. I think for boxing, for what it is, he has better boxing. His head movement is obviously better. He moves his feet in better ways. He's able to get into his takedowns easier, things like that. All of that can be con or sorry, all of that can be helped and supplemented by that. So we'll see what's going to happen here. Um, DC has the biggest room for improvement. I think that's pretty clear. DC downloads during the first few minutes to get the opponent's timing, power, and game plan usually. And then he comes out and starts putting on the pressure. Heavy clinch game, weighing down on your guard. He uses his weight to tire them out. He also puts his hand over your mouth to make sure you can't breathe. He always talks about that. But um, um, if you are standing and you're able to stop him from taking you down, well, that's fine. He's just going to keep coming at you relentlessly. Sorry, I heard something. <laughs> but he's going to keep coming at you relentlessly. He's going to think, um... Sorry, he's going he's gonna to keep moving forward. Okay, I'm just going to cut that out. But he's going to keep moving forward. He's not going to stop, guys. Um, if DC thinks he has even the slight upper hand, or if he sees that you're not posing a threat to him anymore, he's not going to stop moving forward. I don't think anyone in the heavyweight division can handle something like him. Um, he says he isn't going to fight Francis. I think if he did, though, he wouldn't even entertain the strikes. He would try to get Francis to throw one or two of the big shots that's going to throw him off balance, and he would shoot for a takedown. I don't think Francis is a terribly difficult fight for him, but it's a risky fight for anyone, because if Stipe, or I mean, sorry, Francis lands on you, man, he's, he's going to do some damage. He doesn't hit people with very many clean shots if he doesn't beat them. Trust me, look back. He even talks about it. He says, he's like, oh, I don't think I land that shot. He's like, I don't think I land that shot close. So, we'll see. But, um, if, if let's say they go to the clinch. Who's going to win there? DC. Why is DC going to win the clinch? Look at his previous victories. Look at the way he explained why he would beat Stipe. He said Stipe leaves his head open when they exit clinch. Okay, let's say Stipe cleans that um, pot, plot, sorry, pot hole up. Because it is a gigantic pothole in his game. If he cleans that up, you're telling me DC can't find something else to win with? Stipe talks about how he was doing better early in the fight, but was he really? Look at the difference in damage across their faces. Stipe um, looked like he might have been frustrating a little bit, but... Man... I don't know. So, this is bestfightodds.com. And they just go over the odds for these cards. I want to show you um, what these are a little bit. So if you go to Stipe versus DC, Stipe by finish is 31% here. And DC by finish is 49%. I think DC is going to win for hands down. Next fight. Pettis by decision, 25%. Pettis by finish, 19%. Pettis by decision, 40%. Pettis by finish, 16%. So... 
that one's interesting as well. We'll, we'll see what's going to happen. Um, there's often times where I feel like these, um, the, whoever puts these odds on here aren't necessarily correct. I remember when Chris Wyman was going to fight Luke Rockhold, I was like, guys, Luke Rockhold's going to win this fight. There's been a couple fights that I've been like, no, there's just no way the other person can win, from what I know. And usually it turns, um, it turns up being pretty right. So let's see, let's go here. This is UFC, the website, UFC.com. Um, we are taking a look at UFC 241. Obviously, Stipe versus DC. I just wanted to show you guys. This one is going to be on ESPN+. Plus. If you would like, I do have a video in my description that goes over how would you know what fight card is coming up, where it's going to be shown, how you can watch it, and things of that nature. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, that will be in the link box description below. Let me see. Okay, so let's scroll down a little bit. Let's see if there's anything we didn't talk about. Sadiq Yusuf versus Gabriel Benitez. I did take a look about this just real briefly. I want to talk about some of the stats I saw. 21-7-0 versus 9-1. Okay, Gabriel's a lot of, Gabriel has a lot of experience. Win-win. Mexico, about the same height, same reach. Okay, great. Let's look at how they win. Sadiq Yusef wins by, I'm sorry for that, 56% of the time by KO slash TKO, 33% for his opponent, 44% by decision, and 19% by de um, decision for his opponent. That's incredibly interesting. He does not let it go to the judges very often. But look at this. Um, this, to me, almost... I hate saying this, but I don't know if Yusuf, Yusuf can't become a champion fighting like this. He lands 5.57 per minute, and he absorbs 7.89. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know, man. He, he, to me, is a great fighter. He's extremely interesting. But I have to see how he does with this. His takedown defense is all the way up, though. So he has 100%. So I guess we'll see. guess we'll see. Guys, I'm so excited for this card. I have I have no clue what I'm gonna do. So okay, what I'm gonna start doing is towards the beginning, middle, or end of these, I'm gonna start talking a little bit about what's going on in my life, so you guys can get to know me if you guys decide to watch this. So I have a one-month-old daughter right now. I have a girlfriend that I'm living with that is currently pregnant as well, and. We've had a couple of misfortunes, just like small, stupid, young couple things, just normal life things. But yesterday, I was so pissed off. I was driving down um, 71 southbound. If you are in Columbus or Ohio, woo woo, that's where I'm at. But yeah, I was driving down the road and I was getting ready to get on 70 wheeling. That is at around like 5, 10 p.m. I mean, there was no traffic. I mean, there was a ton of traffic. There was no moving traffic, I mean. So we're pretty much standing still and slightly accelerating to move forward a couple inches at a time. One of the times I was moving forward and this lady, she wasn't coming fast because she was breaking from a little bit before this, I believe. She just wasn't coming in very fast, but she was slowing down and not paying attention. I look forward and I'm like, there's just not enough room in front of me and I can't get off to one of the sides. So I literally look back. I'm just watching her as she gets closer to my car and boom. It's it. So, 
once that hit, I was a little fucking frustrated, not going to lie. <laughs> I asked her if she had insurance. We traded insurance information, um, called about the information. I couldn't get to the information at first because USA had an old number on file for my father because my father works for Ford. So I was on, I'm on insurance for just like a little bit more. So I was trying to file, file the claim and they're like, we can't do this unless you have the right number. And I'm like, but neither of my parents have that number. I'm like, can you guys save the information I gave you? Cause he had me talk to him for like 10 minutes or something, 15 minutes. No, well, I apologize. We can say that we had a conversation, but I don't think there's anything more that we can really put in. So I was like, whatever, dude, whatever. So this weekend, I'm going to have to drive my vehicle from Columbus, Ohio to near the Cleveland area, which isn't that bad, really. Just complaining. But I'm going to drive it over there. And after that, I'm probably going to take one of my parents' vehicles and come back here and wait for that. But, bruv. These fights, though. So excited we're not going to have the baby. Be relaxing with her. I might drink a couple. A couple drinks, I don't know. I had my first strawberry daiquiri because my mom had one. Went to some Mexican restaurant and I never got anything like that. But um, I tasted it. It's pretty good. Girly, I don't care. It's still good. It's still good. So, um, yeah, that was fun. We went to a nice little Mexican restaurant. Me... My parents, my older sister, and my daughter Naomi, my girlfriend Veronica, I said Veronica, Veronica or something like that, but <laughs> Veronica was actually at home. Uh, she didn't come with me that weekend. I was in Lorain, Ohio, so that was a little fun, but hope you guys like the podcast, man. Um, this is something I want to start doing. I don't know how many I'm going to have to get before, like, I just want a couple people to listen, interact with. That'd be fun. No one in my area that I really converse with MMA with. So it'd be a lot of fun to have like a little group of people that I could talk to just about the fight game, what's going on and all that stuff. So if you guys want to talk to me or let me see, get at me in any kind of way, just let me know. Like, comment, subscribe if this is on YouTube. If this is anywhere else, please share it out. Leave some kind of comments, descriptions, anything like that. Thank you so much, guys, for watching, and I hope you guys have a great day, night, whatever it is. Peace.